Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, newspapers and media platforms give people an insight into what's going on across the country and indeed the world. If it isn't for the writers and columnists of these outlets, we wouldn't be kept up to date with ongoing news and current affairs. Here today to tell us all about what it's like to be a writer for various media platforms and columnists with the R. Uh, columnist with the Irish Independent, Ian O'Doherty, columnist with the Sunday Times and Daily Mail, Brenda Power, and writer and commentator, uh, Liam Collins. You're all very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Thank Bobby. Thank now you. we're going to delve into the world of the, uh, of the traditional hack. We'll start with you, Ian. Um, tell us a little bit about your work and the nature of your work and what it's like. Well, it's about whatever's annoying me at any given moment, really. Okay. Are you spurred into writing by things that make you angry? They tend to be the best columns. Right. Um, to be honest with you. But or it, it's, it's, sometimes they'd be more sort of, you know, musing. Or I, I always like to try, try uh, and probably fail to be kind of funny as well you know I mean you have to give people a laugh I always remember actually when I was doing the um, I used to do a daily column in the Indo called I Spy and a guy got in touch with me to say that uh, he was on the bus this is when people still read newspapers on a bus as opposed to just look at their phone and he saw a girl that he liked sitting across uh, on the seat across from and she was reading the Indo and she started laughing and he went, are you reading Ian O'Doherty? And she went, yeah. And uh, they started dating. So for once, I used my powers for good <laughs> as opposed to evil. You were um, a catalyst for and, love. And he got in touch. And he was a really nice guy, you know. Um, but I think that what Liam, Brenda, myself do, whatever, you're walking a tightrope all the time now. The culture has completely changed. It's become very toxic. Uh, social media has ruined everything. What I'd often say is that the internet is the greatest invention of the late 20th century and social media is the worst invention of the early 21st century. Yeah. Um, and maybe just to delve into that a bit more, Ian, like, is it, you know, you're you're being paid to be provocative at one level. You said it yourself there, uh, that, you know, if you, provo- if you provoke debate... You know, people are are interested in what you're saying, but that's a fine line between uh, making a mistake, getting cancelled, having mob mentality, you know, basically come after you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like, it's it's the reason why I'm really wildly temperamentally unsuitable for social media, because when people come after me, I go after them. (laughs) Um, And I've got myself into, I've walked myself into quite a few... Uh, minefields over stuff like that and you're meant to be sort of very middle class and above everything and all that and I'm just not that way and okay. I, tend to, I tend to call well, people out Stay with us because we're, we're going to chat more about this Let's talk to Brenda Power uh, from the Sunday Times and indeed uh, the Daily Mail Brenda, you're very welcome to the programme Thank you, Bobby Do you like what you do? I presume you do I do, yeah, yeah. I do and I'm sure the other two will agree with me When you sit down at a blank screen and, you know, you have something to say Actually, that is that's a great feeling. It's a it's it's a it's a privilege, I guess. But as as Ian said, you know, you have to be so much more careful these days 
than, yeah. than you could have been previously. I mean, sometimes I will, I will look back at a column I might have written maybe 10 years ago and think, God almighty, the chances of getting that published now are zero because, you know, you've seen what happens to people who overstep these ever-shifting boundaries. And I know my, my former um, uh, comment editor in the Sunday Times used to say to me, you know, they're not just waiting for you in the long grass, they're waiting for you poised on your front doorstep. And as soon as you put a foot out of place, they will they will pile on and try and cancel you. Because, I mean, I suppose like Ian and, and, and Liam to a certain extent, you, you, you'd you be more middle of the road, but I think we'd, we'd kind of yes. be a little bit more... Um, I don't know what, what way you say it, but a little bit more provo- provocative. And that seems to drive social media, as Ian says, completely crazy. And, and I'm, I've come off it. I, I'm, I'm on as a stalker under under a, a, a very innocuous name and I don't post anything and I don't share anything and I never tweet my columns or anything like that um, because you're just inviting these horrible, nasty trolls, angry, yeah. bitter, Anon- envious people to try and, and pull you down. As well. Oh, always anonymous. Yeah, yes. always anonymous. And that's it, something it, they don't get. It seems to be quite unfair if you take the, you know, if we look at the laws of defamation and all that stuff yeah. that you guys, you know, are always alert to. That it's 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 basically open forum, or it appears to be, it is, uh, yes, on some yeah. of the social media platforms. It is, and I do think that is something that's going to have to be addressed. The fact that these platforms are able to pose- position themselves as we're just, we are just um, shop windows, we're just billboards. We yeah. have no say over what's posted. That is nonsense. That's nonsense, and they can't be allowed to get away with that. And, I mean, I think if, if they are, I know, I know that there were some, there have been, there have been some cases where, where um, people have been prosecuted over, uh, not prosecuted, but but sued over mm. social media posts for defamation, and I'd like to see more of that, to be honest, because they're not they're not just billboards; they are secondary publishers, and particularly if they have been alerted to a defamatory comment, if they don't take it down, then they are willfully yeah. publishing it and should be pursued in the courts, the same way as we'd be. Liam, yeah. uh, Liam Collins, you're very welcome to the program. Liam, can I t- ask you about how the business has changed over the years from the days of? You know, file and copy in the back of a pub in Longford. Oh my to, God! Uh, yeah, to, yeah. To and you know, in in the early days, being able to type, I presume, yes. was a necessary skill. Yes, and you had to phone in to a copy taker. I mean, there was a whole paraphernalia. I mean, probably uh, writing a column was an easy part. Then being a reporter, you could be filing copy from a court case in the pub. And the defendant was two, <laughs> two, uh, two his chairs down and glowering at you. And uh, so, yeah, I think the the newspaper obviously the business has changed completely. And uh, and the the I, I never I wrote a column for three years in the Sunday Independent, and I enjoyed it. But I'm in awe of the two people here because after three years, there's a terrible tyranny of. You know, you finish one column and you have to start thinking about the next. And I just couldn't do it any longer because I I didn't think I was uh, going to keep the interest going. I don't know about the social media. I don't do social media, but I always, um, I remember, you know, columnists would write and then a newspaper uh, reader would write in and then the columnists would put something under the letter. And I always hated that. I think other people, you know, readers should have a right to reply. Now, they should have a right to reply in a reasonable fashion. You know, the same as a columnist would be expected to to write in a reasonable fashion. But, um, you know, 
I think columns are pretty special in newspapers because uh, people expect them on a on a weekly basis. It's one of the reasons they, they buy a, a yeah, newspaper. Yeah, and you build up your reputation. All three of you have built up reputations over the years. Well, we've built uh, up different well, reputations, uh, I think. For, Maybe for, Ian has a, has a different... For better or for worse. <laughs> exactly. exactly. No, your reputation yeah. precedes you. Well, and, that's, and it's, yeah, and people, people recognise you, they, yeah. They, and they like your style of writing, yeah. or yeah. they know that if Liam Collins is writing about something that happened back in... 1980 or whatever it was oh, well, that's, that he yeah, was in the zone yeah, at the time. Yeah. I always remember when I went to Longford, first there was a Vincent Gill used to, he was the local newspaper editor and I mean, he used to write columns. Uh, he invented bachelor's clubs. This is back in the 50s when there was loads of bachelors and he used to uh, put in real bachelors and, and, and make up stories about them. Now, you wouldn't get away with that these days. But um, no, the column... There, it is. It is something that people look forward to. And yes, as they both said, as Ian and Brenda said, you have to be very careful today. But you still need provocative people and provocative columns to 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 stir Absolutely. stir the pot. Ian, back to you. Uh, in terms of making a living from this business, do you in today's world you need to do more than write a column? Is it is it a difficult place? To well, make a living out of writing columns. I was earning a lot more two years ago than I am now. Right. Um, th- this is a... What do you put that down to? Well, newspaper budgets have shrunk. Advertising has shrunk. Pagination, um, the amount of pages, um, they've shrunk. So it's become harder and harder Yeah. Um, to make a living. It's as simple as that. I mean, not only two years ago, but I mean, I was earning more when I was 25 than I am now, and now I'm 50. Um, and there's no sign of that change. Now, I'm writing in England now for The Spectator and places like that, so I'm hoping to make things up. But it's the thing is, I would occasionally be asked to give talks to young journalists and stuff. The way, you know, we all get mm. kind of asked to do yeah. things, and I always say do it because I got great uh, free advice from people when I was starting out when I was a young fella. Uh, so you always kind of. Give a bit back. You, you, you give a bit back. Yeah. I feel, I feel a, a, a moral obligation to that. But I honestly know at this stage, if there was a... Like, I got into Hot Press when I was about 16. I was still in school when I started writing for Hot Press. Um, if a 16-year-old me was to come to me now and say, what advice could I give them to get into journalism? I'd say, pick a different career. Yeah. I'm, it's, a, it's a dying trade. Look, if you if you look at the, um, the news agent across the road from here, from Marconi House... Yeah. It doesn't sell newspapers anymore. I know, yeah. And is the business model now that it's you as Eno Doherty, as an individual that, you know, contracts a column here, a column there, and works for a number of different people, is that the business model that you're effectively self-employed? Yeah, completely. Um, Whereas, like, when I was doing the I Spy column, I was staff, and it was a thousand words a day, and it was hard going, but it was brilliant. And... I had sort of fixity of tenure, sure. if you like, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. uh, and I knew what I was going to get paid at the end of the month, yeah. uh, whereas now I don't. And to be honest with you, and I'm not giving away too much personal information here, it's a real drag to be this age and not know how much I'm going to be bringing in at the end of the month. Um, yeah. You know, you know, 
letters from revenue, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's it's all way too grown up for me. Right. Um, and I just, I, I, I'm just, I'm not enjoying it. Brenda, do you struggle with the business aspect of it? Well, I, I write three columns and I'm right. contracted to the, the Mail for two columns and the Sunday Times for one. So, I mean, you couldn't really survive on one, yeah. for sure. Yeah, okay. And again, like Ian, I mean, I think we all found that, that, that wages were much more generous 10 or 15 years ago than they are now. And that is because of the reasons that Ian has said, because of, of, of the, the, the uh, advertising, the newspaper sales generally, uh, and the challenge from, from online and, and uh, online journalism and social media, I guess. Because I suppose everybody is, a, is an opinion columnist now, if you go on social media. Um, yeah, everybody has but an are opinion. they? Are they? Like, there's a skill and there's, you know, there's a... There's a style and there's an ability that, you know, everybody doesn't have. True. And what there also is, if you look on social media, is a uniformity and a terror of invoking the rage of the mob and not being part of the prevailing opinion. I remember seeing, I think it was John Boyne, who I I think is a brilliant writer, the time of the whole Ryan Tuberty thing broke. He defended him online and there was a pile on on him and uh, somebody said read the room John and he gave a very I thought a very um, significant response and he said I don't read the room when I express an opinion you can't as an opinion columnist either read the room the opinion has to be yours you cannot pander to what you think is going to go down well on social media and And people spot a fake yeah they do yeah Yeah, they do they spot a fake if you are writing simply in order to, to, to appease the, the, the mob, the, the, the baying mob on social media, then that's immediately obvious because yeah. it's clearly not. And as Ian said, I mean, the, you, the best comment, best columns are always the ones where you're angry and, and they flow. And they're often the ones where you get the, the lawyers coming back to you and saying, and the editors. Liam, a, a bit like this business of broadcasting, you know, so much of your personality is actually locked up in what you do in your craft. In, invested in, in it, yeah. You, and so you, either, and people may or choose to like or dislike your style or your personality and that's kind of life. Well, it, uh, yeah, and as long as the as editors will, will continue to take it, you know, that's, the, you get the call from somebody or you, um, but you're right, you have to believe what you're, you're writing about and you have to be interested in it because if you're not really interested It comes well, across. It does. Yeah. It, you can see it in, uh, particularly in a column, but in any, in, in a lot of journalism. I uh, The one thing I probably miss cause, uh, is a little bit more humour in, in the newspapers these days. I think there's sometimes there is, and the Ryan Tuberty was, it, it's been the best story. It's it saved the summer for uh, for newspapers. But I mean, there is an awful lot of uniformity in in some yeah. of the commentary about that and other things. And I think part of that is now people are afraid in some cases to actually say or to publish contrary opinions. I mean, uh, I lived through uh, Eamon Dunphy as a columnist in the 90s, uh, mostly answering the phone from very irate people. But I mean, there were fantastic columns because he could he could more or less get away with it, apart from yeah. being sued for a but, million like, euro. Uh, but, you know, they were fantastic uh, uh, and they were kind of trying to be go against the grain of yeah. Irish society. But I, 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 I do think... Um, Journalism has become very middle class and very homogenised. 
and they go to the same colleges, they have the same lecturers, and they have the same opinions. Right. And yeah. I remember actually, I, I didn't go to college because I just started out, as I said, at Hot Press and I just kind of worked my way up from there. And I, it often kind of gives me grim amusement that I remember my first day in the Irish press newsroom working on a typewriter that had one of those big rolls of paper yeah. uh, behind it. So I was one of the last journalists to remember that. Yeah. And I'm one of the last journalists to look at the demise of our trade. So I've seen... I don't kill it off yet, Ian. There's life in the old dog. One of the things I find is that too many of the kids coming into the business now uh, all have the correct opinion. Whereas I'm always on the lookout for the kid who has the incorrect opinion. But Ian, do you not think that that is the very trend that could well save the media, particularly traditional columnists because, you know, we don't and there will always be the people who have the courage not to go along with, with, the, with, the, with the mob. And I mean, I know somebody who lectures journalism and said, you know, I don't know how you're going to find the next generation of opinion columnists because all they want to write about is themselves. Yeah. They're not yeah. interested in interviewing. They're not interested in reporting. They want, they want to, they're, they're looking at social media. They, they're Where they want to be narcissistic. the story. Yeah, narcissistic yeah. echo chamber. And they see that's, <clears throat> that they believe that that is what the future of journalism well, is about. But in fact, I, I think there will be people who will come through and the same way we but, did, I did from, that, from news that, reporting. Um, you know, from the actual graft of, of getting out there and talking to people and getting people's stories and, and knowing how to structure a piece in a readable way. But it's a, a case of support way. from the executive and a case of support from the editors. Yeah, and, yeah see, the real and money... And I don't really see that anymore yeah, because the, they're so risk-averse. Well, mm. the money in, say, journalism is being a brand. Yeah. So you have to be, you know, to make real money, you have to be a brand and you have to be on, you know, online. You have to be doing the newspapers column and magazines and have followers, as they say. And I don't do any of that. I just stick to the old fashioned way. So, Ian, as a glass half empty man, which you sometimes may come across as, and I'm not saying that in a critical way, but do you fear for the future? In terms of, like, is there not still uh, a lot of money, Not maybe not commercially, but is there still not business to be done in a falling trade, which is newspapers, which is journalism? Like, there's still a lot of people out there wanting to consume media. Maybe it's, the business just has to change in order to accommodate that. It's how they consume it, yeah. is the thing. Um, I honestly think in five years' time, a lot of the print editions of the newspapers we have now won't be around. Right. And everything will have transferred online. Um, I also think that all the papers made a huge mistake about 10 years ago when they went online of giving away <laughs> the content yeah. for free. I think it was started by uh, the New York Times. Uh, yeah, it was disastrous. The thing yeah. is, when, when you give away something for free, people don't respect it. Yeah. yeah. And then it's very hard to introduce a pay model then and yeah. people resent. You see this all the time. Somebody mm. posts a column <laughs> and it, it sounds provocative and you can see, look at the comments people do want to read and they go, but it's behind a paywall and never pay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Why not? Why do you yeah, expect yeah. somebody will work for nothing? It's like what Spotify did to the music industry. Yeah. It destroyed yes. it. Yes. You know, yeah. People yeah. won't buy albums anymore because why should they? When they, they can, can get it for when, free. When they can get it for free. Yeah, free and yeah. when you get something for free... You devalue the proposition. Yeah, yeah you yeah. just don't respect it as, as much. So... 
Uh, no, I would probably have a gloomier attitude than my two esteemed <laughs> colleagues. Um, well, I'm going to ask one of them to close us out on a more <laughs> optimistic note. What about you, Brenda? I, I, I mean, I, I agree with Ian. I think within five years, you probably will struggle to find a print edition of any newspaper. That's not to say, though, that I don't think that there will still be a place for robust, provocative, genuine Call comment yeah. and news reporting and, 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 and investigative reporting because that is still a, a valuable commodity. Absolutely. Yeah. And last word to no, you I'm going to disagree as the longest uh, serving <laughs> in the business. I still, I see a future. It's not the same uh, future, you know, as what we went through in the past, but I still see a future be smaller circulations, but I think better. Yeah. It'll have to be better and it'll have to serve a, a, a market that is declining. Well, I, for one, am a great admirer of all your work and what you do. Thanks to my guests, Eno Doherty, columnist with the Irish Independent, Brenda Power, columnist with the Sunday Times and Daily Mail, and Liam Collins, uh, writer and and commentator. Thank you all for your contribution, and long may it continue. Thank Thank you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.